Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zena Shea. I am your conduit, your coach, and your catalyst to that better life. A coach draws out hidden potential in the subject. A conduit provides a connection and a catalyst sparks change. So today I'm actually connecting you to two poets. It is National Poetry Month. In case you know, people out there in Facebook land, all the poets know this because it's important. Right? But people who are not poets may not know. And so uh, one of the poets is Liz Hildreth. And I see we already have somebody. Hey, sis. Quinn Richardson is telling us, hey, sis. Hey, sis, Quinn. Um, and Salam Green is here with us. Hello. So we're going to start off talking about creativity. And I wanted to ask you guys, because creativity kind of is at the, to me, the foundation of poetry. Um, and so what does creativity mean to you? Mm. Yes. Wow, that's a great question. I guess I'll go first. Is that okay, Liz? Yes. <laughs> yes. Jump right in. I think for me, creativity, you know, I, I come from a space where I, I see people every day. And the first thing, of course, they say is, I'm not creative. I'm not creative. I'm not creative, uh, which is kind of our inner dialogue that we tell ourselves. So creativity to me and what I oftentimes will say to other people, it's just using your imagination. And um, people say, well, what's imagination? You know, once we get a certain age, it's like, okay, I don't do that anymore. That was kindergarten, right? That was first grade. That's That was five years old. And I'm say, exactly. Let's think back. We used our imagination. Basically, it's where we think about things that are not really there. And those things that we think about that are not really there are the imprints of our imagination, which then helps us to begin action towards creativity. So to me, creativity is just using your imagination to think about things that are not there that you want to be there based on the skills that you internally have. Awesome. I like that. I like that definition. Things that are not there, but you want to be there. <laughs> the skills that you internally have. Awesome. So you're using your imagination. You are imagining what it might be like if this were the case, yes. if this were your life and you're seeing the possibilities. You know, oh, absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. I, um, I think I heard Deepak Chopra say that there is a law of potentiality and that all of us exist in this universe where there's infinite potential <laughs> and we get stuck thinking that what is, is all that there is mm -hmm. when there is so much more. Yes. And when you actually begin to realize that and realize that you have infinite possibilities, infinite potential, that one choice can completely change your life and has changed many of our lives. Um, it's a really, in a sense, freeing idea. You know, it opens up your mind to just what could be, what if. Yeah. And so Liz, what would you say about creativity? Well, I would say that my ideas about creativity have changed, I think, over the years. I think that I, when I used to think about creativity, I used to think about art or painting, poetry. But now I feel like creativity is, is any place that can take you kind of to this higher state of mind. You always hear people talk about, um, like, even when they're cooking, 
they get into a really creative state or even when they're cleaning, not, I don't get that state, but I've heard that you can, you can have it. So I, you know, I think it's, um, I think it's much wider than, than we used to think it was. And I think it, um, it can enrich our entire lives if we like a- approach everything mm. with this idea that we're going to get lost in it and we're going to have fun and like, Say mm-hmm. you know, there's this sense of play that sometimes gets lost as we get older. Right. Yes. I like that. Yeah. Well, I don't exactly remember where I saw, I think it was an ad you guys had or something, and it popped up on Facebook and it said the poetry of private places. <laughs> and I read it, and I don't want to give it away because I want you guys to explain it. And I thought... <laughs> That is one of the most creative ideas I've ever heard as a use of poetry to try to heal, um, to try to comfort, to uplift. And I was thinking about, I know we need it all the time, (laughs) especially since COVID has happened and so many people are struggling with mental health, struggling with um, uncertainty. So... Where did the poetry of private places come from? Like either one of you can Mm. talk about the beginning of that, the nexus of that, and and what it actually is for people who are watching who never heard of you. Well, we we have a friend, a mutual friend, Michelle, and that she was actually, she brought us together. And um, Michelle and I were talking a little bit about names and, you know, what we wanted to do with this. And we started, we started to talk about um, creating a space that was almost like a confessional, but not so necessarily loaded with the, um, with the religious um, stuff. So we were, we were talking about that. And, and then I I think it was just, do you, Salam, do you know, um, Mm. come in, into this partly i think yes like you were saying uh, michelle has uh, the love and freedom center where she does wonderful work around our heart and heart's ease and i knew michelle before i live in birmingham and i knew her before through journalism and those kinds of things and we were talking about during covid and the pandemic and then the inauguration where we saw the wonderful poet and how poetry just has this magnetic kind of uh impact on people's lives after the inauguration. And then also uh, Liz was going uh, talking about how she wanted to help people uh, during COVID through uh, poetry, persons who might have been isolated or people who may um, have been creative before COVID and lost some of that freshness and some of that zest or people who were looking for an outlet and uh, to express themselves or just to listen. And um, we really just came up with this idea through um, the Freedom and Love Center and through Liz's work uh, and my work. I do literary healing and I also am an artist in resident where I work in the hospital setting where I do poetry in the hospital. And um, we just decided that we wanted to come together. And the, I think the whole idea around poetry in private spaces was giving people kind of a cocoon to come in and to kind of tell their stories, a cocoon to come in to kind of uh, just take a moment to 
remember who they are. Take a moment to say, you know, my mother died or I'm having this problem or I want this poem for my sister or I'm moving and I would love to have an inspirational message. And that's where it came from. It's you come into a private room and that private room will have either I or Liz and it's a listening space. I am there to listen and witness, to bring and bear witness to your story, to bear witness to the poetry that you have inside of you. It's not my poem, it's your poem. I am not the poet, you are the poet. And as we're listening, we're able to draw out that poet's resounding poem. And we write that poem for them, read that poem to them. And our hope is that they see that that, that poem is theirs that kind of thing. So that's what poetry in private places is or tries to be and, and how it got started and how we hope that it, you know, uh, has impacted people uh, thus far. I think that's really beautiful. You know, um, I have heard when I was going through COVID, I actually went through an initiation. I went back to um, the Shrine of the Black Madonna. They had a, a lady who came in and she was doing the Queen of Fua Sacred Women book, which has like nine gateways you know, and you focus on a different concept every week, basically. And I remember during that process, before everything shut down, we were having meetings in person. And she said, you know, one of my jobs here is to hold space. One of my jobs here is you are going to be given assignments. You have to do these readings. You have to do these journals. And when you do these journals about what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a black woman, what it means to be a mother, a wife, a sister, when you're doing these journals, things are going to come up. These journals are, they are supposed to be very cathartic. They are supposed to make you challenge your belief system, you know, your thought processes. And when we come to these meetings, we are here to support each other. We are here to listen to each other. But as the facilitator, I am here to kind of hold space and say, your feelings are valid. Your mm -hmm. feelings are validated um, and we are here to listen and to give each other the space to vent in a sense, those things that we may not, we may have never vented before and we may not even know exactly how to verbalize and, and being able to be a poet and as somebody's kind of telling you their story and you're putting it together in a way that's gonna be coherent for them and make sense for them and, and validate their feelings and their experience. I think that's a very beautiful thing because as I was going through that initiation process, oh my gosh, talking about leaving some baggage behind. <laughs> holding space and saying, okay, tell me more about that. Let's stay there for a minute. Get Go deeper into that, you know? Okay, bring out, you know, and, and just really where I would have just, okay, here it goes. Da, 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 da. She was like, stop, let's, let's rewind. Let's go back. Let's, hey, okay, let's go there. What did you feel right there? I saw something. I heard something. What did you, you know, and it was very much of, um, I got to know myself better through the process of just talking to someone with a good listening ear. Um, and I think that that's something that really helps people when you have somebody who's really actively listening and mirroring what you're saying. Um, and getting you to see what you're saying. Did you hear what you just said right there? Mm -hmm. Did you yes. hear what you just said right there? You know, that kind of thing. I think that it's it's a very powerful thing. And then to turn that into something that they can frame maybe, you know, 
um, put somewhere as as a even if they don't frame it, even just to have it as a as a poetic piece that captures that moment in time is is very beautiful. Yes, so I, put it on your refrigerator, your bathroom mirror. <laughs> you know, uh, always tell people to date it and timestamp it. And it's something you can come back to. It's something you can come back to a year later or six months later or 10 years later, whenever you're ready. Put it in your personal journal or your diary and, you know, make it in a beautiful space. And this is your presence. So I love that with the, your definition of holding space. That's exactly what private, uh, uh, our poetry in private spaces is. We're just there to hold space. That's it. Acknowledge the poet that lives inside of you and what's happening today in this moment with the words that you're expressing. All right, and, and Liz, um, you know, I know as a poet, like how I got to realizing that poetry was therapy for the poet and for the <laughs> listener. Um, how did you kind of realize, hey, okay, this can be cathartic, this can be healing, this can be um, helpful to people who are struggling? You know, I had had a really, really rough year about, I mean, I wouldn't say this past, this past year. Um, I mean, everything sort of everything that could go wrong went wrong. And it was, it was just kind of horrific and I needed a lot of mental help. And, um, and when I got through it, I thought, I started wanting to use poetry. I just wanted, for some reason, and I don't consider myself like especially altruistic or anything, but I, but I wanted there was something really nagging at me. Like I really want to give back because I had been in a lot of hospitals, and when I was there, you know, being inside of it, you could see like that people weren't really helped. I mean. They, I don't want to say that they weren't helped by the doctors, but they weren't helped as much by the doctors as they were by, let's say, like music therapy or by chaplains who would come by and say, can I sit with you and hold your hands? I mean, just this, those kinds of services were very profoundly helpful to people. And so then, like, I think after I left, I thought... I need, I don't do many things like poetry is one thing that I do. And so how can I use this to help people somehow? And that's when I, I was having the, the conversation with Michelle and she said, I know a woman who could help you with this. I know a woman who does exactly what you're talking about. And I said, what's her name? And she said, Salem Green. And I said, I don't know. I don't know her. I know some poets, uh, but not, I don't know her. And so it took like a while for us to get into contact. And then we did. And it was just such an immediate connection um, that, you know, I've been like just so blessed to be on this journey. I, I've never ever considered, you know, this is, I'm sort of hesitant to use the, even the term healer because I had never used, I was the one being healed. Mm -hmm. um, but 
<laughs> I'm in company now. <laughs> but, um, you know, this, this, this is happening. <laughs> and I really, really do feel, I know that sounds cliche when people, you know, they have like mental health struggles and stuff and they come out of it and they say like, wow, my eyes are completely open, but, but it is, you know, and, and I've been really lucky. Well, I'm on the show. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I have been blessed over the last couple of years to have, you know, a platform to shine light on different things. So when I see something, I try to shine light on it. So, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You know, so I, I know as a teacher, I had stress. I started writing to deal with my stress. I started performing to deal with my stress even more. And I saw the profound change in people when they would come to a show and they would be, they would walk in and you could just see the tiredness, the frustration, the, you know, everything. And then you could see the way that they were leaving, you know, and, and my whole show became, one of my mantras became get Zen, stay Zen, spread Zen. Mm. And one of the first rules of the show was, you know, leave the outside outside. You came in here to get refreshed, let it happen, let it happen. Come into this space and just let the outside go for right now. We're just gonna be here in this space and we're gonna enjoy every moment of it, you know? And so I saw the power of the arts. Um, and I, it, one of the things I would say at the beginning of my live shows is that even though we were in 2020 or 2018 or 2019, when I was doing this, I said, what we're doing is ancient. People have gotten together to tell stories yes. ever since human, human beings have walked this earth. So this is the most ancient thing that people have done. And this is what built communities when they got together around the fire and you had the singer bards and you had the griots telling the history of the tribe and you had the, the comedians and you know the jokesters, but they were all telling stories. And those stories helped bond them to themselves, to their history, and to each other. And so, you know, when we are putting a space for people to tell their stories, it's bringing them back to their humanity. It's bringing them back to who they are at their core, um, bringing them back to things that they may have forgotten, um, lost. So it's very powerful. Storytelling is like the most it's one of the most foundational things of our nature. It's one of the first things we do with children, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so poetry is a form of storytelling and listening to people tell their stories and, and helping them to clarify their stories through words. You know, words are powerful. Um, words, you give a person a quote and that quote could change their life. You know, just one quote. Yeah, so it, it is really powerful. Um, and so Salem, you do work in the hospital. So how did you get poetry in the hospitals? I, I want to know that journey, like how, cause I could, uh, I could imagine some hospital administrator saying something like we do medicine here, you know, like girl <laughs> shots and surgeries and taking blood. What are you talking about? Poetry in the hospital. So, what was that journey like getting poetry in hospitals and, and, 
you know, what, what are you doing in the hospitals? Yes. Thank you. That is a good question. So the first thing that I do when I go into the hospital setting and say, I'm a poet, or do you want to hear a poem? Of course, everyone closes their doors and fall, you know, fall to the side and like a poem. Uh, no, I don't, poem, poet, what, who are you? And then once it gets started, it's like, yay. Yeah. We want to hear a poem. Um, I'm much like uh, Liz, I started on this journey with my own uh, mental illness and the whole stigma around being a black woman with mental illness. I had went through a very traumatic um, space in my life, a whole lot of trauma and um, a whole lot of uh, violence and those kinds of things came into my life. And I started, like yourself, using writing as a healing tool. So I found a writing class, sat on this lady's red couch, and I began to write myself back together again. Mm. And while I was sitting on her red couch, I thought, what if I could take this red couch, metaphorically, all over? At the time, it was women, uh, women who were like myself going through either mental illness or physical or emotional eruption or some kind of economic instability, all of the things that I was going through. I could take this red couch to them so they can begin to use their voices to heal their lives through poetry, writing, and storytelling. And I began um, a literary healing arts business. And um, it took me about two years to get it going, but I just said, I'm going to go out and do, I'm a former educator and teacher and all that kind of thing. So I said, I'm just going to go out and train people and do workshops and try to find spaces that would allow me to come in to use poetry as a healing tool and poetry as a uh, alternative to therapeutic practices. And uh, here in Birmingham, uh, one of our hospitals, UAB, which is a large hospital and is a university hospital, has an Institute for Arts and Medicine. And the Institute for Arts and Medicine, which is a national institute that are in a lot of hospitals, has various artists. And many of those artists, um, visual artists, musicians, uh, drama therapists, uh, music therapists, but also artists who are community artists, because I, I am a spoken word poet. So community artists who come in and who do this work. And so they trained me on some of the healing domains and those kinds of things. And that's how I got into the hospital um, as a contractor doing poetry, creative writing and storytelling. And it has been life changing. When you talk about healing yourself, yes, it for me, that's what it has been. But I work in populations in adolescent psychiatry. I work with high risk obstetrics. I work with um you know, assisted living uh, facilities uh, with dementia patients using poetry and creative writing um, as a tool to support um, their healing. And I work with doctors and nurses and health practitioners as well, either doing poetry with them or we sit and we are on several research projects where we work on research and bring poetry into the medical terminology and the scientific realm as well. So it is weirdly strange and odd my life any way you look at it if you really knew me like you knew me for real you'll probably say yes it's wrong whatever say long yeah yeah you know so from spoken word to going in the hospital to poetry to creative writing that's kind of how i got there so i'm looking at your bio it says you're a 2018 new economies fellow what what is that Yes. Yeah, so some of my work that I do is uh, community organizing and uh, social justice work, and I serve in a, a different social justice areas. So one of those areas is environmental racism. I live in Alabama and we have uh, 
a space in Alabama, in rural Alabama, where there is a high amount of environmental racism and environmental injustice around coal ash, uh, water and river pollution, but also political and um, corporate uh, and economic realms are coming in and causing more environmental issues. So I came into those areas to bring art where there was blight. So where there were art blight areas, um, my role as a community organizer was to use poetry as a social justice mechanism for those areas to do community healing circles. So much like you said, the uh, <laughs> uh, centered around storytelling and African, um, the African griots, the African um, ancestral storytelling. So I am a part of a storytelling group and a part of African storytelling and have studied that, those types of things and my background. So that's what I did with the whole environmental racism is supporting um, the, those communities and using poetry and creative writing to support their healing journey as they're dealing with medical and health issues as well as land issues. Awesome. And Liz, I was looking at your bio and you have studied poetry with quite a few big name people. Yes. Um, so, you know, we were talking about creativity and we were talking about what it meant to each one of you, you know, on your journey as a poet, you know, what, you know, what do you think you've taken from like what you've learned about poetry and how it's helping you to kind of reach out to others as you studied poetry? It says, and you've written poetry for 40 years. Yes. <laughs> I have, it's a, it's a disease. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, um, to, I think to me, as, as I've gotten older, the most important thing is to um, write. I, I think it's important for me to write things that make me um, feel good and also, to reach out to people who I consider important and I care about. It's like, this is, um, it's so, uh, it, I'm so lucky, I think, to have been able to study something for so long. And it's like having a gift in your pocket that you could just like pull out and give to somebody at any point. Um, I think, you know, so I just, I guess I just really feel, that um, I'm not really interested, not so interested in publishing or, you know, just um, just doing doing anything like that. I think I think poetry is essentially it is a gift. And so I, I like to view it that way. And um, when I write something, I always like to have it be for somebody, even if I'm not going to give it to them. I figure I might eventually. So. <laughs> I don't know. That's 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 how I feel about it. Well, that's that's beautiful. You know, I um, poetry to me is so many things. It's it's the love of my life. It's a way that I make sense of the world. It's yes. definitely a way that I have been able to touch people. And I do agree with you that it is a gift. Um, and I have been given so many gifts of beautiful poems that I have been able to carry with me. Poems that have challenged me, poems that have inspired me, that have changed my viewpoint on 
all kinds of things. So, so it is National Poetry Month and we've been talking about your particular um, poetry of private places and your journeys. Who are some poets that really inspire you? You know, cause I'm trying to, we have an audience watching and they may not be as familiar with poets and poetry. You know, who are some poets that inspired you that, that spoke to you, you know, or some poems that really resonate with you that you would encourage people to pick up that you really feel are healing poems, inspirational poems, motivational poems, you know, any of those that you could think of. Mm-hmm. There's this one poem, I, C.K. Williams was a, a poetry teacher of mine when I was at NYU and he was so kind, so nice, so smart, really funny. And he's also a great poet. And he he wrote this poem, it's called Ethics. And I, I don't teach poetry, but if I if I did, I would I would point to this poem because I think this poem is is the type of poem that you look at it and you th- if you know a little bit about poetry, you think, wow, that poem could take somebody a year to write. So wow. it's really, um, it's really not not because it's so complicated, but just because it's so careful, and it's so, uh, I don't know. I love it. It's it's one of my favorite poems. I would say C.K. Williams' Ethics. And um, when I was, I guess, when I was getting started in in poetry, I think Anne Sexton, because she had so many. Um, problems with mental illness, I think she really spoke to me because she was so transparent about it. And I think that was, you know, at that time was not done, uh, not being done by many women. So, Mm. Salem, who who, who are your people? Yes, yes, yes. So I came to poetry late in life. So I wasn't until um, I was in my 40s when I discovered I was always a poet and that this is what I'm going to try to do with my life. I am doing with my life. (laughs) And some of the poets that really inspire me, Lucille Clifton, most definitely um, her poem, Come Celebrate With Me. um, And the ending of, you know, everything that tried to kill me and, and, but it didn't just Mm -hmm. come celebrate. Just the whole idea of the rhythm in that poem, but also the deep, deep, deep mourning that's in that poem and the black morning, the, the, the womanhood morning, the, you know, morning of, you know, the world and all of those wonderful things. It just hits you. So every time that I'm doing anything, I just it, it just comes to mind like Lucille Clifton, you know, the power that's in her uh, of her and that's in her po- poetry. So most definitely everything that she has ever done and given us uh, the gift of on this earth. Absolutely. So I, 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 I love, I love, I love her work. Um, Mary Oliver, of course, um, a very a contemporary. So most definitely, um, you know, what do you plan to do with this year? One wild and precious life, you know, just every single time it hits me, you know, it's like, okay, it's, we know this poem. It's, 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 it's this poem, but it's like, but then it's this poem, you know, it's this poem. <laughs> no, it's like, okay. So those are some poets who have just like every day that I, I, I must read. Absolutely. Yes. You know, I'm an English teacher and um, I, I teach poetry 
you know, we have a poetry unit and there's so many poets that I introduce students to. One of the ones that is not as famous, you know, out there that I think he has just an incredible story is Jimmy Santiago Baca. Mm. And uh, he, he was a juvenile delinquent. He couldn't really read very well. He went to jail and he learned how to read in jail. Mm -hmm. And he began to write poetry in jail and the inmates were passing his poems around in jail, <laughs> like, like contraband, you know, <laughs> was so um, uplifting and they, they really captured his life and they captured just his journey, his questions about what it meant to be loved, what it meant to be mm -hmm. accepted. Um, and he had collected so many of his poems that, Someone said, you should really try to write a book. And he was like, I'm somebody who didn't even know how to read before I got here, you know, and I dropped out of school and they were like, just, just, just send it off, just send it off. And um, he sent it off. And this woman who happened to be an editor for Mother Jones read his poetry and she got him published, helped him in so many ways. I mean, and literally he became like, I think he might have won all kinds of national and international awards for his poetry over the years, but she became like his mentor and everything. So it shows you that poetry by itself can like transform a life because this guy went from not being able to read to writing poetry that inmates were just, can you write me another poem? Can you write me another one? You know? Um, and then, then, then it got out of the prison and, and changed his entire life, you know? And so it, it just tells me that there's so much power in words, especially so much power in poetry. Um, and people can be healed by it. They can be uplifted by it. They can be inspired and challenged by it. And it just can be transformative, completely transformative. Um, so I wanted to let the people who are out there know how they can actually find you guys if they wanted to experience the poetry of private places for themselves. Where can they find you? Yes. I would Go say, ahead, Liz. Okay. I would say um, at, at this point, um, you could contact us through Heart's Ease, um, and we can give you that information, um, the website, after this. But that's that's how we got started, and it's you know it was a little bit of a startup, and we're just so you know excited to be be able to do it. I've never, um, I've never experienced like listening as uh, such a powerful thing. Like you you were saying, Zen, you know, it's it, it really is. It's like something really happens to you when. Um, when you're able to listen to someone closely and reflectively. Um, so, yes. Yes, so, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so Michelle Holmes is listening in and she just uh, typed in www.loveandfreedomcenter.com. So if anybody is out there, if anybody tunes into the rebroadcast or hears this on the podcast later. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> reach out to www.loveandfreedomcenter.com and you can get your own poetry of private places mm -hmm. yes. you know, 
session and work on getting your your story heard and just capture the moments of your life and this could even be a great gift you know like for people who i remember um i wrote a poem to my sons and one of the most amazing things was that i had one of them write a poem back to me mm. which i was not expecting um, and it's, it's framed in my hallway right now. It's, I was going to say, did you frame it? Yeah, I framed, <laughs> it. I framed it and put it in my hallway. And I, every day I walk by, I walk down the hall and I see it. And many times I stop and read it, especially when, you know, he gets on my nerves. Or something. <laughs> you remember that time he wrote that poem? Yeah. <laughs> that poem and to say, okay, this is what he really thinks of me. This is what our interaction has meant to him. This is what he's gotten from the lessons that I've taught him. You know, it is a beautiful thing when you can see and 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 have a something to hold on to yes. that someone gave to you. I remember my father was very uh, stern. Okay, and he didn't share his emotions much at all. He he could also be very playful and a jokester, but he was a very, he was very much a disciplinarian and that kind of, you know, very strict person. And I remember when I turned 13, he wrote a Valentine's Day card for me. He actually yeah. drew, he drew a man and a little girl holding hands and he drew, he wrote a poem in the center. And basically the poem said, you may get rid of everything else in your life, but keep this. Um, and realize that just like I'm holding the hand of this girl in this picture, I'm always going to be holding your hand. Um, yeah. I'm always going to, no matter how hard I am on you, no matter how, you know, no matter how much you think that I'm not approving of you, I really yeah. am always holding your hand. I really am always there for you. And I'm 50 years old and that poem that little handwritten cardboard card is on my dresser yes it's on my dresser um and so even though it was probably i don't know 10 lines maybe something and, and i'm paraphrasing it because it was actually it actually did rhyme but i don't have it memorized i have that from 13 to 50 you know and I have never gotten rid of it. No matter where I move, no matter what happened, it's still on my dresser. And so nobody else could write that for you. No, nobody else could write it for me. And and now that he's, you know, my, my dad has passed on, but still I can look at that and remember that that was his sentiment, that no matter how hard he was being on me, that in his mind, he was always holding my hand. He was always there for me. And he wanted me to feel that I was always supported. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I would encourage people out there to to really take advantage of this, you know, to to make poems for the people that they love to, you know, go into a space like this. And, and if they're not a poet, get a poem written for themselves, get a poem written for other people as therapy, as healing, as a commemoration of whatever is going on in life that's special or memorable, you know, because those kind of things, they really matter. They're beautiful. They're they're mm -hmm. worth you know, recapturing and revisiting. Yes. And to have something written, you know, now we have so much beautiful things, of course, with social media, but to have something personal written, such as you mentioned that card, I remember 
uh, opening my grandmother's chiffero and all the cards that anyone ever gave her in her whole entire life when she passed away just fell out of that chiffero, uh, that old chiffero. And I remember as a little girl after she passed, just sitting on the floor with all the Mother Day card and Christmas cards that people gave her and like, had beautiful writings and how she kept not just the cards, but the envelopes that had the names on it and, you know, had the writing on it. And it's like, this is legacy. So poetry is a is legacy. Uh, the written word is legacy that comes from people who are personal in your life. So I just want everyone to sit on their grandmother's, you know, hardwood floor with uh, handwritten letters and poetry and poems that come from the heart. That is that is really beautiful. And, and I like that idea of legacy. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, I do goal setting workshops. And um, one of the things that I tell people is your life begins when you realize you're going to die. Oh, and then I need I need you. To, I need you. I'm going to have to call you after this. We're going to have to have some sit downs and some, some chats. Yeah. But when you realize you're going to die and you really, really take it in, then you have to decide what is my legacy going to be? What do I want people to say about me when I'm no longer here? What do, what memories do I want to leave behind? You know, and when you decide that, then you decide what kind of person you really want to be. And once you decide that, then you have to make your life mirror that you have to make your life fit that. Um, and I always tell people that you don't have to live the life you have. You can build the life you want. It just takes some effort and takes some time and takes a plan. Um, and so I'll, I'll actually show you guys this. I was out today. Oh my goodness. So I did a workshop earlier today, but this is my, this package. I'm trying to see if we can get it. So this, <laughs> the Zenergize Your Life package is a $15 package. So it's a workbook. It's a journal. You see the motivational band there. You see stickers, you see the tabs at the bottom. Okay. So this is actually what mine looks like. This is the first page, which says abundance on it. And in there you have journal prompts. You have a place to put um, a person who's passed on that inspires you, a person that is alive that inspires you in a vision board space. You know, so a blank page looks like this. I'll show you that blank page. So this is a very personal journey. The blank page looks like that. Mm -hmm. And so there's 16 different pages in here, but you go through, you get a blank journal. This is my journal. And you tab, you can see the tab sticking out. You tab the journal and then you respond to the journal prompts. And you're getting to know yourself. You're getting to get in touch with your goals. You know, so you respond to the journal prompts. Then you actually go to YouTube and you actually look up that person or you watch, you know, you read about the person, you take notes on their life. What can you learn from their life? This is Langston Hughes. I took notes on him. This is Oprah Winfrey over here. I took notes on her. You can uh, take notes on the movie, on the song, on the book, you know, that you decided fits that area. And then the goal, you could even write a plan of how you're going to accomplish that goal. And the goal is for you to really get in touch with that topic. And then you move on to the next one. You move on to the next one. You move on to the next one. And by the time you finish, you created a song list of songs that motivate you. 
You've created a list of books that you can go back to again and again that you've taken notes on. You have a whole, you have 32 people that you have decided are inspirational to you that are like role models. You've taken notes on them. You figured out what you can use from their life. You know, you have these goals, you have these affirmations that you wrote down. And so it takes about, if you're going to do like a page a week, it takes you four months to go through the package. But at the end of that four months, you have gotten so in touch with yourself. You have gotten so centered, so grounded. You've gotten so focused and clarified so many things. So, you know, when I do the workshop, I say this right here, it's not a book. It's a mirror. It's a mirror for you to look at yourself. It's a, it's a compass, you know, it's a vision board. It's so many things, you know, it's, it's whatever you make it. And so it's transformative. Writing is transformative. Mm -hmm. Poetry is transformative. Mm -hmm. you know, when we actually take the time to really get in touch with ourselves and to hear ourselves and to, to take the time to listen, you know what I'm saying, to other people and to ourselves is transformative. And so I, I love, you know, what you guys are doing. And I think anything that you can put up, if you get that poem done and you frame it and you put it up, any kind of environmental boost that you can put around you to build inspiration into your life is healthy. You know, I, I also sell little things like this is, these are motivational bookmarks. They're magnetic. They actually slide on pages, you know, and I have these things that I call smiley cards. This one says today is your day. So they're like business cards, but they have little inspirational sayings that I'm, so I sell a lot of little motivational things because yeah. I'm trying to help people to, stick things around them that are going to constantly remind them of their goals that are going to constantly uplift them. And so a piece of frame poetry would be a great thing to do to add to that. You know, so we're all on this journey and we got to do whatever we can do to get inspired and to get into a better place, a better state of mind. So how would they, if they wanted to know more about like, you know, poetry as healing, like with your business and where are you again, Salem Green? Where are you? What I am in um, Birmingham, Alabama. And, okay. um, but most definitely uh, my website is the literary healing arts, the literary healing arts.com. And you can contact me there. And I do, of course, right now we're in a virtual world, but I also do uh, national and I do some international. I have done uh, local and regional. So I would love to speak to anyone, one-on-one -on -one coaching or workshops or just more about Heal the Healers as well. So please reach out if you would like. Okay. And can if somebody wanted to get the poetry of private places, do you guys do it um, like, Monday through Friday? Do you do it on weekends? Is there any like parameters for them? Okay. So yes. no, it's, it's kind of not yet. Anything okay. goes. Anything, Anything goes. goes. Okay. Poetry, so, poetry, poetry. We're just, yeah, we're, <laughs> we are, yes, crazy for poetry. So yes, come, let us know when right. you're ready and <laughs> we're ready. <laughs> okay. So Everybody who's out there listening, who hears this right now or hears this on, you know, the re uh, broadcast, it'll be on my page. It'll be on their pages and then it'll go up on the podcast in about eight weeks. You guys are definitely encouraged to reach out to them. So I'm going to say the websites again. You have www.loveandfreedomcenter.com and that is where you can get the poetry of private places. 
And then you have www.theliteraryhealingarts.com. And that's where you can connect with Salem Green, who does workshops and also does poetry in hospitals. So if you're in her local area, you know, you might want to reach out to her. Um, and I'm definitely encouraging everybody out there to tap into the arts for healing. These are two great resources that are here for you guys. Make use of them, you know, tell people that, you know, even if you feel like you don't need it, take the information down. If somebody is struggling, somebody needs, you know, feels you feel like poetry as a healing art would really help them. You know, you've got these two websites, you've got these two beautiful people who are here and they're not coming from a place of, you know, what's wrong with you? You got a problem, but they're coming from a place. <laughs> I have had a problem. I have used poetry to help me and I want to help you. So they're coming from a place of empathy and compassion. And um, so I wanted to give them a chance to tell their stories and we're going to get off in just a minute, but is there anything that you wanted to say, any encouraging words, any inspiring messages that you wanted to leave the people with before we close out? Liz, you have anything? She's a resident poet. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I mean, I just, um, I guess I, I do hear sometimes from people that are hesitant to write poetry because they feel like they're not good enough or they don't know anything about poetry. But um, just like, you know, when your dad gave you that card, I mean, you're, you would never look at your dad's card and say like, well, this isn't good enough. You know, you're, you're gonna be so excited and so honored to, to receive a gift like that. And so I always say to people, like if you feel the urge, just do it because it'll never, it'll never go wrong. You'll always give it to somebody. They will always love it. And you'll always be happy that you gave it. Yes. And you'll, yes. you'll give it for years. <laughs> I concur. I would say to people, think about your five-year-old who is scribbling um, on that beautiful piece of paper or outside chalk. How excited when that five-year-old says, come look, mom, come look, dad, come look, auntie. And you're like, that's the most beautiful, you know, sidewalk talk I've ever seen. I would say to people, when you write or you do poetry or you do any kind of creative outlet, that is so beautiful. I can't believe that you did that. I love it. It's awesome. Remember your five-year-old self and celebrate that. Celebrate every time you scribble, you attempt to write where creativity comes into cooking or recipes or poetry it's a part of us and i believe we all can use the healing power of words to heal our lives we have that power and thank you zen you are amazing woman yeah, i was gonna say the same thing a I'm, sacred I'm, goddess. I'm so i mean you have no idea how i am so excited i have met you and have this opportunity to be here and to be in your presence so thank you so much for having us oh thank yeah. you thank you thank you, you for what you are an excellent interviewer <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, well, we are going to sign up. It is National Poetry Month and it's not over yet. All right. This is just the middle of the month. So, you know, I would encourage all the people out there to 
go on YouTube, listen to some spoken word videos, you know, get a poetry book. Um, just really let poetry infuse your life. It can definitely enhance your life. It can give you so much food for thought, so much inspiration, so much motivation. So it's National Poetry Month, at least now, as of any time of the year, try to, you know, expose yourself to some poetry. Um, and speaking of that, I guess I'll do a piece um, just because it is National Poetry Month. You know, we, um, I'm part of improv poetry. So I performed at the Houston Improv and they have given us all kinds of different prompts that we had to write about. So I don't know if I was gonna do one of those. I might just do a little short one. Um, let's see. All right, we've been talking about being an artist. So I'll do that one. I'll do one, a short piece. Artist, you know it when I hit the stage. The words and in ink once on the page drip from my tongue and gaze. My words imbue my melanin. I live through the tip of my pen. And what you hear when I begin is the heart and soul that beats within. It is hard for me to stay away from the spotlight that's upon that stage. And not because I crave fame or wealth, but on the stage, I'm most myself. Away from it, I fear and doubt, but upon it, the words gush out. The energy within the room becomes the fuel I must consume. A snap, a clap, a standing O is music that just calms my woes. I stand erect, a pilgrim true to words that stain me through and through like tattoos etched upon my skin, like freckles on my melanin. I must perform. It's not a choice, even to the point my voice gets hoarse. My words have a mind of their own until they have made your minds their thrones, artist. No. <laughs> yeah, so definitely poetry has been something that has calmed my woes, as I said in that poem, and it has been fuel for me, and it has definitely lifted me more times than I can count. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for what you guys are doing out there to help other people and to um, introduce them to poetry in a different way, as a, as a healing art, as a a soothing, you know, comforting way of dealing with the world and dealing with whatever they're going through. So, so I want to thank my guests, Liz Hildreth and Salem Green. And I also want to say again, thank you to the love and freedom center.com www.loveandfreedomcenter.com. And also the other website is www.theliteraryhealingarts.com. So audience, you can reach out to those people and get your own poetry of private places or you know find out more about the workshops that salem green has and thank you guys for joining us may you walk in synergy have a great night my name is zen Ashe, and i have a weekly podcast called synergy which is Fuel for the Mind, Body, and Soul. And this is the Zenergize Your Life Goal Setting Package, Volume 1. It comes with the workbook, a journal, stickers, a bookmark, tabs, and a QR code where you can find my podcast. And inside this 
workbook, you're gonna have 16 different principles. The first one I'm gonna show you mine is abundance. You have a place to put pictures that inspire you of role models, also pictures of goals that you wanna create, goals, journal prompts, meditations, affirmations, all kinds of things to help you focus on this principle to better your life. And like I said, there's 16 principles. So this is a $15 package that comes with all of these things I've shown you, $21 with shipping and handling, and you can get it at laughsandlyrics.com. So zenergize your life with me. Thank you. Thank you.